The Courage to Lead, episode 131. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. Um, I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Carrie Mori. Touted by Hi. Oprah, Food and Wine, Southern Living, The New York Times, Good Morning America, among others, Carrie Mori has established herself as an authority on entrepreneurship and is committed to helping women build their own empires in ways that feel authentic and aligned with who they aspire to be at the end of the day. Carrie founded her handmade biscuit business in 2005 when the goal of making the tender, buttery, made-by-hand biscuits of her mother accessible across the country. Over 15 years later, Callie's Hot Little Biscuit is widely recognized as an iconic Southern brand with national retail exposure, four grab-and-go eateries in Charleston, Atlanta, and Charlotte, a food truck, and a cult-like following. Carrie's the author of two cookbooks, Callie's Biscuits and Southern Traditions and Hot Little Suppers. She's currently the focus of the PBS program, How She Rolls, about Carrie's journey to find balance with her biscuit business and family goals. She resides in Charleston, South Carolina with her husband and three daughters. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is exciting. This is very exciting. And I love, I mean, any buttery biscuit, but it is such a Southern tradition thing. My grandparents lived in Alabama. We grew up coming out to visit them and my grandmother just threw a bunch of stuff in a bowl and made these biscuits. And I just remember the, the mouthwatering, you know, biscuits, the buttery biscuits and stuff. So I, I definitely am a fan of these. So how did you get started? You, what, just, you, you loved your mom's recipe so much. You wanted to bring it to the world. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I grew up working, uh, helping her cater and was definitely the server of her famous country ham biscuits and, you know, watch people ooh and ah over them for years and ask if they could buy them and she would never sell them and, you know, went off to uh, be an adult after college and lived in New York and fell even more in love with food and cultures of food and came back from New York wanting to be a present stay-at-home mom as my priority, but also really wanting to fuel my passion of um, being in the food world, but making it so that I could have the best of both worlds of being a stay-at-home mom and came up with the hairbrain idea to my mom country ham biscuits as an online mail order biscuit business in 2005 when exactly no one was buying food over the internet. That is awesome. I, uh, I say if I can make a successful business in 2005, selling food online, anybody can do anything. So it's just got to have the, the will and the perseverance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good deal. All right. Well, I want to talk about how you got started. Talk about the biscuits, talk about some of the, the cookbooks and everything you're working on, some of the other projects you have and how you help women set up their own businesses and kind of get that uh, entrepreneurial spirit out there in the world where it needs to be. Um, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I want to ask. Uh, listeners will know these are the questions that I ask every one of my guests. Uh, questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his uh, Hollywood stars from TV, film, and stage. 
Um, and I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So I'm, Carrie, if you're ready, 10 questions ready. for you. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Oh, gosh. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> favorite word. Thank okay. you. Thank you. All right. What is your least favorite word? No. Awesome. What turns you on? Um, I would say attitude, good attitude, happy, happiness. Nice. What turns you off? Negativity. Laziness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm with you on that one. All right. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? So many. I love any sound or noise in the kitchen. Um, crinkling of things, chopping, cutting, the sound of knives, sizzling, mm -hmm. frying. I mean, I could go on there and on. <laughs> awesome. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh. Hmm. God, these are intense questions. I should have studied. <laughs> Probably silence. Okay. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? I love the F word, okay. but I never say it anywhere <laughs> except for work and with friends, never at home. Never. At My home. girls, they're listening. they would die to know that I say that. <laughs> All right. Question eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, that's a great question. I think, I think that I would like to attempt, um, golly, some kind of travel person, travel coordinator, travel, something to do with traveling and helping coordinate traveling. Nice. Um, Question nine, what profession would you not like to do? I do not want to work in a clothing store. <laughs> All right. And final question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You did all right. <laughs> Good job. Not so bad. Not bad. <laughs> all right. Well, Carrie, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, what it was like to try to create that online business, selling biscuits and, and things online. Um, some of the cookbooks you have out, your show, How She Rolls. And at some point, we're going to transition into the talk about courage, where you found the courage to do all this, all right? We're going to talk about all of that and more right after this. So listeners, stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, 
Carrie Mori. Thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. Um, it took a while to get this all worked out with schedules and everything like that, but I'm glad you could be here. Really appreciate you being on. Thank so you for me, having Sure. How did it, like you said, there, there wasn't a lot of online food sales in 2005. What was that like to get that started? And, and how did you come up with the idea of selling online? Well, really, it, it was born out of a need to not want to be a slave to a brick and mortar gourmet restaurant spot. I wanted to create a business around the lifestyle I was trying to create, which was the, ha, creating balance and having both a career and being a stay-at-home mom. That was super important to me. So I just dreamt it up and it just happened to work out. I mean, it, it took many, many years in order to be able to say this is actually a, a real business. And I had to pivot many times and come up with other ways to generate revenue, which actually ended up being a great thing because it made me super diversified. And in times like the pandemic, that was yeah. really valuable. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, and you say your mom was a caterer? She was. She had a small catering business. She did it out of her house. She only worked for friends and family. And, you know, as she would tell you, she did it for shoes and travel. And that was it. Yeah. And, um, you know, those were, those were, that was her priority was to, to fuel her passion and, and create food for people that really enjoyed food, but um, not to also work more than she needed to work, which was, you know, she had her goals. So Yeah, absolutely. And you say everybody was always asking for that, that biscuit recipe, huh? Yeah. So she didn't just make Southern food. She made all kinds of food, um, Indian, Mexican, Vietnamese, but people wow. always wanted to start with her country ham biscuits. So I knew that there was something special to those biscuits. And even when I moved to New York, I would pack them in my suitcase and keep them in the freezer for months. And I would portion them out, heat them up and courier them over to different, um, perspective customers that I was trying to get and my nice. job in New York. And I knew that people outside of the South had a hankering for Southern handmade biscuits. So that putting that together with, with all the other things that had happened along the way, make, gave me the idea of these biscuits are too good not to share. Nice. And did your mom have any, any problem sharing that recipe? I think she definitely was a little guarded about, I think yeah. we both were guarded about it at first. And I remember the first time we shared uh, the recipe, it was uh, to the Washington post, which, you yeah. know, it was a pretty big honor, but we were terrified and sure. we, we decided to do it. And, and then realized years later that the more people that we shared our craft with, the more light it brought to biscuit making because it was a dying art and not many people do it anymore, at least the way I was raised. And it, it not only made people want to make biscuits, but it made people want to buy biscuits, eat biscuits. And that those all were great things for us. So I, I'm really glad that we took that risk and, and decided to share it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, growing up, my, my parents, both my parents were from Alabama. And so coming home, visiting family, there's always good food everywhere. And biscuits were a big part of every, every breakfast. And the canned biscuits just aren't the same. They just aren't yeah. the same. I mean, it may be a lot of the same ingredients, but it's that 
the love that goes into it, the, like you said, it's, it's just, it's a cultural thing, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's funny because not it, you don't have to be from the South to have a connection with biscuits. And that's one of the things I've learned being in business for 16 years is that so many people have a sister or an aunt or a brother's twice removed that made biscuits, just like you said, yeah. no measuring in a bowl um, and just totally have that memory of comfort and nostalgia and, and biscuits connect people. So it, it definitely tugs at people's heartstrings. Absolutely. Very cool. And so um, how did you get with Oprah food and wine, Southern living? Did they discover you or did you go out to them? I have a really great publicist okay. that I have worked with since the beginning who believed in my story and was also a lover of food, specifically Southern food. And, you know, this is one of the things that I tell people when they're starting their business, make sure you surround yourself with experts that know how to do the things that you don't know how to do. And she had great connections with people that were looking for authentic stories that told um, a great tale of of how we started. So I just got really lucky and in, in choosing and being introduced to people that helped elevate my business. It had nothing to do with me. Nice. But I, the exposure has had to, I mean, that that's something you can't, you know, buy basically. I, you know what I'm saying? It's like once you start getting known and the word gets out and it just, the momentum builds. And it just keeps growing. Oh, and growing. Truly. I mean, it's, we didn't have a brick and mortar, so we had no way to get the word out and, and being online in 2005, it wasn't what it was today. And so that was the only way that we mm. got the word out and created an email list and a following and customers. So that was our main source of, of revenue. Nice. And so were you actually selling the cooked already baked biscuits or were you selling the mix? or a combination or what? We didn't sell the mix until, oh my gosh, just like less than five years ago. I mean, right. it was always the fully baked biscuits because mm. we believe that so many people are intimidated by making them. We knew that people would love to eat them, but they were scared to make them. And so we didn't even think that the mix would sell. The mix sells really well now, but that took education of showing people and teaching classes and talking about it for many, many years before people really got into it. So nice. the mix came after. Very cool. And your cookbooks, Biscuits and Southern Traditions and Hot Little Suppers. Yeah. Are those all nice... your recipes or just uh, recipes you've the, kind of acquired? The, Callie's Biscuits and Southern Traditions is um, a lot of my recipes, but a lot of my family, like on both sides, my mother, my father, my grandparents, aunts, uncles, things that I grew up with, things that had, you know, strong meaning to me, um, you know, great food memories. Hot Little Suppers is almost all authentically our family, um, things that I feed my family during the week, celebrations. Uh, iterations of other things that were modernized and elevated and um, all tested by my family. Uh, they let me know when they do and don't like things. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough crowd over here at the Maury house. So, you know, <laughs> if it made it to the cookbook, then it was uh, given many thumbs up by my daughters and husband. Awesome. Are you all kind of foodies? 
I mean, I think that, the, you know, the, the kitchen is definitely the center of our, of our life. And, you know, when your kids are asking at breakfast, what's for supper and who's coming for supper, that that's probably um, a priority for us. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, whenever, whenever we have people over, we all seem to congregate in the kitchen, kind of watch what's going on. Mm-hmm. And somebody walks into the kitchen, you know, instead of handing them a drink or something, I usually slide a little cutting board over to them here, dice this up for me, you know, to kind of get them yeah. involved. Yeah. I love awesome. that. I love that. that. We, cool. we uh, renovated a house about six years ago and took the living room and made it the kitchen. Wow. Nice. <laughs> so our living room is about half the size of our kitchen. So everybody yeah. congregates there. That's perfect. Love it. Um, and then the PBS program, how she rolls. Tell me about that. How'd that come about? Such a crazy um, journey of a few years of different production companies and people coming to me saying, you know, we think you have a great story. We want you to tell it on TV, but no opportunity seemed right. And then I met our producers now and they had worked with PBS and it just felt authentic and safe. And when thinking about exposing my family to national television, it had to be the perfect opportunity. Mm -hmm. And we use the word authentic a lot. If that is not something that we would naturally do, then it can't happen. And uh, just making sure everybody in our family and my, my work family felt comfortable with telling the story of, of what goes on in our life and in hopes to obviously elevate the exposure of our brand. But secondly, and just as importantly, hopefully inspire people to, um, live out their dreams and, and do exactly what they want as we have. Nice. And did the pandemic, I I guess I cut in a little bit on the filming and stuff. How did that, how did that hamper things or set you back? Oh, I think it's very similar story to everybody else in the country. We had, um, we had a lot of uh, downturn in some of our divisions of our business, but we also have a lot to be grateful for. We, our e-commerce and our wholesale business really took off. And sure. while our restaurants are actually still recovering and some, and one in particular has not made it, mm-hmm. we are very grateful that we had the successes that we did and just, are counting our blessings. Yeah. But like you say, on the website, you talk about the innovation, the resiliency coming back. Is that mainly on the on-site or online? Um, yeah. You know, well, you know, now I would say that 75% of our, our bake shops have come back. Um, we did just close our Charlotte location. It, it just had the unfortunate curse of timing. We, you know, we opened four weeks before the pandemic and, had to close down and lay off our staff and the state of North Carolina had a totally different protocol for safety. And, and I totally agree with it, but that's not how things happened here in South Carolina. And we never really closed. And mm-hmm. while it may have um, not been as safe, uh, it, it definitely saved business. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I just choose to look at it as we are, we were really great. We were really lucky that more divisions of our business weren't negatively adversely affected. So, um, 
I, I just, I never want to, to be negative and I never want to be greedy. So I'm just choosing to, to take the high road and say, you know, we, we made it out. Okay. Cause a lot of businesses didn't. And a lot of businesses did not. Yeah. Around here, we lost a couple of restaurants because of that, you know, they, they weren't in a position where they could pivot. They, we had a couple of restaurants that actually started uh, functioning as a, a, almost like a bodega. You like this recipe that we serve. Here's the recipe. You could buy all the stuff here. They had cuts of meat, you know, things like that, all the spices to people could take it home and make it on their own. They would make up packages and send home. So you could, you know, heat it up or whatever. So they tried to pivot as much as possible and some just weren't able to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we tried everything that we could. I felt really good about all the efforts that we put into trying to save um, the store. But, you know, in my experience, it, it has always taken all of our bake shops six to nine months to get the word out, especially in a big town and to have the cloud of the pandemic loom over us almost immediately after we opened, we just couldn't shake it. It just never seemed, I mean, people had no, people even today still don't know that we were there. Wow. <laughs> so, um, you know, I have been in business for 16 years and have never had a failure like that. And I only hope that that means that great things are coming. And I think that in order to realize true success, you have to have failures and they're learning moments and Mm -hmm. I can't let it, I can't dwell on it. I have to move forward and and keep going and know that there's a, a bigger plan. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it helps you focus, you know, back on what's yeah. important and really move forward. So where did we, we talk about courage on the podcast, right? Where did you find the courage to leave the, the comfort zone of the nine to five? Where did you find the courage to start something nobody else had done? You know, where did you find the courage to, to plow through some of these barriers and, and setbacks that happen and stuff like that? Where did you find the courage to, to start an online business in 2005? I think the courage came from the desire to want to do, have a different life. I didn't want a nine to five. I had done that. I wanted the flexibility of working from home, being with my girls. I wanted to create a business and a life on my own terms. And so for me, it was really easy. Now it was really slow too. So, you know, it's not for everybody, but I wasn't, in business to necessarily make money, at least not at that time. I knew that that would come if I focused on what, what was most important to me and what mattered most. And I, I wasn't in any hurry. And I realized that not everybody has that luxury, but I worked really hard for many years. um, And I wanted a different life for my family and for myself. So that was, the, the courage, I don't know that it was courage, but I guess in a, in a way it was because I quit my job and I said, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to do it only on, you know, there are days when I only worked 30 minutes a day because I had sick kiddos or sure. preschool and they only went to school for a little bit of time. And, you know, that's come and gone as over the last 16 years. And I've just been committed to slowly and steadily growing the business and not being in any hurry and not setting unrealistic goals or expectations for myself. And, um, 
it has benefited it has benefited me so yeah yeah and uh, like you said the the desire to stay home is a big push but thinking i mean people listening to the broadcast and stuff to think well i have a really good recipe at home i don't know that i would have the guts to go out and start a business you know with that that's got to be tough and then cookbooks you know writing books is is kind of scary for some people um was that something you'd always wanted to do or is that something that somebody recommended to you um well you know it's it was one of the it was one of the many great surprises that i never expected i mean i don't have any culinary training i have no business telling anybody how to cook food but i do love cooking and i love entertaining and i have since i was a very young child and so i think that when you do things authentically that um mean a lot to you and you put yourself out there a lot of times you get rewarded so the way it happened was i being an online only business i didn't have a way to connect with my customers and i felt like the, every time i was reaching out to them it was for to ask them to buy from me what are you going to do for me what are you going to do for me right. and my publicist said well why don't you do something for them you cook at home why don't you give recipes out and i you know you have it's hard to think about this because in 2005 not many people were doing that yeah. and i said well why would anybody want that and she said well maybe nobody does but what's it going to hurt yeah. and so i started sharing recipes that people were calling and texting me and saying what about that macaroni and cheese recipe that you make can you and so yes. instead of me having to type it out to 10 different friends i'd say okay i posted it online and so it was a way for me to offer something and then i didn't feel as guilty about constantly reaching out saying do you want to buy this and nice. it was never about biscuits it was always about the food that i cooked at home which was rarely biscuits because i lived in the world of biscuits at work so i would yeah. come home and make other things and so um that was how it that was how it happened and then, and an agent approached me and said and she, and I said to her you must be really good at your job because who in the world would want a, a cookbook from me but you know I'm just as surprised that we've sold 25,000 copies of wow. Callie's biscuits and southern traditions and you know we just launched hot little suppers and who knows how many will sell of those but what an honor what a yeah. what an unbelievable pinch me moment and something that I never expected and and it's really out of my wheelhouse, except for that I really love to cook. And so I got an opportunity and I said, why not? Let's do it. Absolutely. So, Very cool. Do you have a favorite recipe? In, in which cookbook? Either one. Do you have a favorite between oh, them? No. I don't know that I have a favorite. I mean, of course, the biscuit recipes are certainly near and dear to my heart. And macaroni pie is my grandmother mm. Caroline's uh, recipe that I've was probably the thing that I made the most growing up as a teenager. And that's in my first cookbook and hot little suppers. I'd say Italian wedding soup is my fave mainly because nice. the story is so great about a family moment and memory that we have together. And, nice. uh, and that's, that was actually my favorite part about writing the cookbooks is the stories that go along with oh, the food yeah. because the memories and to be able to document that and, and pass that down to our girls is priceless. Nice. Yeah, I remember growing up, my my aunt, who shall remain nameless, um, she had a, a recipe and at all the church dinners, she would bring this, you know, special side dish and everybody just, you know, drooling over it. Everybody kept asking her for the recipe. She finally broke down and gave out the recipe. 
but she left out one key ingredient. So theirs never <laughs> tasted as good as hers. And she was so proud of herself. Of it's like, ah, it's not the way to do it. Because like you said, no, it's, it's no. the story. Where did this come from? Where did you first have this and stuff? That's what's important. Yeah, totally. Very cool. Agreed. So how many folks do you have working for you? We have about 70. Okay. Very We'd cool. like about 80. We're still short staffed <laughs> and like everybody else in the country, but uh, yeah. we're 70 strong. Nice. So if I was to bump into any one of these folks on the, on the road and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Oh my gosh. I hope you do bump into somebody and you tell me what they say. <laughs> I, I hope that they would say that I am kind and um, a hard worker and willing to do anything for my team, but also to help the business and compassionate. Um, but I'm also really focused on growing the business. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's what I would hope they would say. Yeah. <laughs> when you're looking for new people, is there a certain characteristic you're looking for? I've always been a huge believer when interviewing people that experience is second and knowledge, but attitude yeah. and um, reliability and being an all-around positive person is everything. I can teach anybody anything. Yeah. And the most, pe most of the people that work for me don't have experience in, in any of the areas. And a part of that is because I wanted to hire someone that I believed in and trusted, but also because and when you're growing a business, you can't always afford highly qualified people. So you yeah. say, let's put this person in this position and let them figure it out. Sure. So I have a lot of faith in people that they do, they would do the right thing. And uh, we can always get training and teach people and coach yeah. people, but you can't always find people that are dedicated and loyal and positive and yeah. want to, you know, you spend a lot of time at work. So you want to be around people that have good energy. Exactly. Or at least I do. Exactly. Yeah. And working with my clients, I try to tell them hire for the culture that you want. Like I said, there's, there's knowledge, skills, and attributes, knowledge and skills you can, you can give to them, right? Those attributes, if they don't, if they aren't a team player, if they aren't positive, if they aren't motivated, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough sell. So yeah, all oh, from culture. It, it brings everybody else down. We have a saying in our company, it's be a biscuit, rise tall, be, be warm and buttery on the inside and be open to anyone's jam. So awesome. <laughs> I would hope that people would think that that is the kind of leader I am. And I would hope that people would think that that is the culture that we are trying to create or create. That is an awesome culture. Love that saying. Very cool. So what's next for you? I mean, you've got the cookbooks, you've got the, the PBS show. You're working with, with uh, women, helping women build their own empires. Tell me about that. How did, how did that start? Well, I, you know, it sounds like it's a, a program. It's not. It's, you know, people reach out to me all the time and have for years. And I want to help anybody that I can. I mean, what a gift for me to be able to help somebody else. And I have no claim to being an expert in any kind of business acumen whatsoever. But I, I've made a lot of mistakes. And if I can help somebody, um, push them forward by helping them avoid the mistakes that I've made or 
experiences that I've had, then I want to share that. And I just think that the more you help people, it just comes back to help you. And it's funny because not only do I always learn things from people that are calling to learn from me, but I also, I get a lot of satisfaction and being an entrepreneur is really lonely. And there are days when you don't have the positive attitude that you want to have. So doing things like that brings me joy and helping people brings me joy. So I love doing that, but there's no formal program. It's just tell me what your questions are. How can I help you? Oh, have you thought of this? Yeah. And I, I do it for anybody that asks. Nice. Yeah. Cause there are people out there that have great ideas and they're either second guessing themselves, right? Those limiting beliefs, or uh, they can't find the courage to actually put themselves out there. Yeah. I've had a lot of great ideas. If people reject those ideas, I have to remind myself, that it's not a rejection of me. It's the idea that didn't catch with yeah. them, or maybe they weren't open to it right now. It doesn't mean it's it's dead. Take it to somebody else, right? Somewhere else, right? I, I, if I believe in something, I say, I'm going to keep asking until somebody tells me the answer that I want. So exactly. be persistent. <laughs> be persistent. Good job. So what is next for you? Any Anything on the horizon? You know, I am enjoying living life and, and not, not rushing. And we're filming season two for How She Rolls. I have a daughter who's graduating from high school. We are uh, growing the business and counting our blessings and not being in a rush to just grow, 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 but grow in a smart way. So that's what's next for us. Enjoying the growth and the life that we've built. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah. Well, definitely. I'm going to follow your, your progress, how things are going and stuff. I will definitely get up to your, uh, your store up in the Atlanta area. And when we're in Charleston, I'll definitely look you guys up as we come through. Please do. Please do. And enjoy your next journey too. That sounds so exciting. Yeah. We're, we're excited about it. All right. Well, thank you very much again for being on the podcast, Carrie. This is awesome. If people want to get in touch with you and learn more about uh, Callie's Hot Little Biscuits, learn about your cookbooks and everything like that, where can they find you? What's your website? Please come visit us at Callie'sBiscuits.com and check us out on Instagram at Carrie Bailey Mori or Callie's Hot Little Biscuits. Okay. And connect with us there. Very cool. All right. I will have all those links in the show notes. Your cookbooks, they're available on the website? On the website, Amazon, wherever books are sold. Perfect. All right. I will get those links, have them in the show notes so people can do that. And again, thank you so much for for sharing your time with us. Really appreciate it. And good luck with everything you have going on. Thank you for having me. Take care. You too. All right. And listeners, hope you guys are taking lots of notes, lots of good information here. Definitely check out and uh, follow Callie's Hot Little Biscuits. All right. And share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 